Welcome to the Zwift SBS podcast. Zwift is the app that turns indoor training into a game. With structured workouts, training plans and massive online group rides to make your training fun. Because fun is results. Fun is fast. Go to Zwift.com and start your free trial. Bonjour, 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 and uh, welcome to the Zwift SBS Cycling Podcast. Before we start, uh, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to our podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash sport or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Joining me today, it's not Dave McKenzie, it's Gracie Elvin. How are you, Gracie? Bonjour, Christophe. A day earlier, I think, but uh, good to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And then <laughs> what a day we had today. Uh, it's always good. Is it to start with a time trial? We'll talk about this, uh, but the weather turned it on. Uh, it was just a, a weird day. Can we say this? A weird day to start the Tour de France? A bit weird, but not unexpected. It's Denmark. We've had some beautiful sunny days, but um, everyone, all the locals keep telling us you get two sunny days and then one wet day. And unfortunately, that third day was today. Uh, some riders love opening up a tour with a time trial or a prologue. It's like slightly le less nervous in some ways less chaotic in the bunch because you're only out there on your own and for others they don't like it but uh, I don't <laughs> think anyone was particularly having a great time out there today in the in the rain except for you know a few people that are are a bit sick, I think. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so let's talk about, uh, before we start, talk about uh, the riders that competed today. What would you have thought today on uh, waking up, opening the curtains today? What would have been your thought on seeing that weather? Well, it wasn't so bad this morning, was it, Christophe? We all got up and got outside, and I think the riders were holding on to a bit of hope that the rain would hold off until after the time trial. But I kept checking my weather apps today, and I know that riders would have definitely been doing the same. And you could just see the rain creeping earlier and earlier, and it was raining before it even started today, unfortunately. Yeah. But in the end, it's not really a uh, favourite, can we say, that won it. It's Yves Lampard. No, like he, he probably was on some uh, tipper's top 10 picks. I'm not sure if anyone would have picked him as the winner for today. I got to interview him in the mix zone. Even he said it was a dream, but he didn't actually believe that he could do it. So I think he surprised himself today. He's been on really great form the mm -hmm. last couple of months. So maybe it's not so much of a surprise if you look at some of the results on paper. But, you know, he's riding against the likes of Van der Poel, Van Aert. They were clear favourites, uh, Ghana as well, on a course like this today. All the elements must have come into his favour. It was slightly drier for his run. It was... Uh, really tough I think for teams to decide when they wanted to put their top riders out on the course today because it's uh, it's seated it's they don't have to wait for the best riders to go at the finish so I think a lot of them they were put in that first hour but we saw that there was a lot of rain in that first hour mm -hmm. and it actually dried up a little bit more later on which was kind of the opposite of what everyone was expecting all week. Yeah absolutely and it's that's for sure the strategy uh, didn't necessarily played out very well for for the favorites and for for actually every other team. Uh, one of the main favorite of the the whole tour is of course uh, our good friend Tadej Pogacar. Um, he finishes not too far uh, from uh, from Yves Lampard, but specifically not too far from Van Aert and that is actually very very interesting. Super impressive ride from Pogacar. He uh, po <laughs> Super impressive ride from Pogacar, he, you know, he's coming into some great form. Obviously, he's targeting the overall GC. It might not necessarily have been a great course for him today, but 
to be only two seconds from Van Aert is super impressive. So he must have been going really quick on the straightaways and using you know his his fitness at the moment. But there were so many corners. He must have been cornering super fast as well. Yeah, and then of course he's, he's putting a little bit of a dent on uh, on Roglic. Can we say this because Roglic is seventh? He's, he's only only a few seconds uh, of the mark, but he's not ahead of Pogacar. No, look, I think it's uh, not a big loss today for Roglic. It's, uh, it's, in the grand scheme of things, it's only 13k. It was only less than 10 seconds between you know, those, some of those top riders. The, the more decisive stages are to come in the mountains, of course, but also the longer time trial. But it's more about the morale and the confidence. So you don't really want to be too far off your rivals. People start questioning and seeing where your chinks in the armour are. Yeah, absolutely. You can hear the crowds uh, behind us are just uh, walking through uh, the city. Uh, one of the crowd's favourite, actually, Mathieu Van Der Poel, uh, is a favourite all around the planet, I reckon. I don't think there's anyone that doesn't like uh, Mathieu Van Der Poel. It's a good time trial for him. Yeah, it is. As we all know, Van Der Poel and Van Aert have been you know, very clearly matched in many ways for many years since they were young mm -hmm. riders in, a, in cyclocross and, and now in road cycling. So I, I think Van Der Poel is probably going to be uh, the most disappointed today. I think Vanderpol would have wanted to win today. Yeah. He wanted to take that first yellow jersey, and uh, yeah, I think he's going to be a bit annoyed. Maybe look at some of those corners. Could he have taken them quicker? But you know, he would have still been flying through that course, and it was only five seconds, I think, off the win. So really, nothing in more than 13 kilometres, and I think it'll give him a little bit more spicy going into the next few stages. <laughs> yeah, and he promised to finish the Giro and he did. He also promised to finish the Tour de France. So we'll see uh, if he will. But uh, we hope that Mathieu van der Poel will have so many more opportunities uh, over the next uh, three weeks. It's a long journey, as, uh, as we know. Uh, if we concentrate a little bit on, on, on the Aussies, uh, you mentioned Jack Haig a minute ago. Why don't we listen to him? This is Jack Haig. The rain sort of came in a bit earlier than I think everyone thought. Uh, I tried to go off second rider from the team to try and miss the rain. And then sort of... To make things even worse, I had a flat tyre, so I had a bike change just before the first intermediate check and uh, from then I just wanted to, ah, first, before I set off, I wanted to make sure I finished without crashing. I crashed once in uh, the Giro in the prologue and I crashed last year here, stage three, and I know there's much more to lose than 20 seconds if you go a little bit slower, so, no, it's okay. Third on the Vuelta, what's the, what's the target for this tour? Top five, strong team here, so... Yeah, my personal ambition is to try and go top five GC, but uh, we also have Damiano Caruso here, and uh, depending on how it plays out in the road, one of us might end up working for the other. And then obviously we have a strong sort of uh, stage hunting team here as well, with especially Mathe, Dylan, all these guys have won stages in uh, Grand Tours and the Tour before. How are you leaving this beginning of the Tour de France? With a little bit of stress, <laughs> like every everything, but uh, no, I'm, I'm calm, I'm happy. My family was here today, my wife and my son, and ah, it's just nice to be back and racing bikes. I, I enjoy racing the bike. I don't like the, the stress and everything the couple of days beforehand, but once the race starts now, I enjoy all this pressure and the stress and the interviews and everything, so I'm happy to start. So that was uh, Jack Haig. Uh, always a, a bit of a smile uh, to him as well, uh, Jack Haig. Uh, uh, he's got good opportunities at this Tour de France to, to figure very well. He does. Yeah. I think he's he's nervous. He he cares a lot. He he cared a lot last year, and unfortunately, mm -hmm. it ended poorly. Collabon. He did a collabon on the first few days. Yeah. So you know, we were all disappointed to see that, and I really have my fingers crossed for him because 
you need so much to come together in any race, but especially a Grand Tour. Mm-hmm. It's the ultimate puzzle in cycling of how how do you get fit, how do you peak at the right time, and then how do you make it through three weeks of racing without crashing, without illness, without COVID now. Yeah. And like today, that I think he was probably feeling relief more than anything else. Unfortunately, he had a flat tyre, but they would have uh, got his bike changed very quickly. He, he took it on the chin. He was still smiling at the end. He's a very gracious person, and I love interviewing him. He's a really great guy, yeah. so I'm really cheering for him this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, other Aussies, of course, uh, Chris Hamilton, we're talking about the, the smile and being cheery. Uh, you and I, we've, we, we said this off mic. He's got a bigger smile in a peloton, Chris. Oh, that made my day. <laughs> he, was he, was, he was, let's say, he was peeing down, let's say this way, <laughs> but his smile just made it for the day. Oh, that was great. Look, to, I think he was really in the moment of his first Tour de France and we we seeing on that vision, there were so many people out on the course, not one metre free along the fence lines yeah. and for an Australian rider, for any rider for that matter, to ride on a course like this today gives you goosebumps. It gave me goosebumps watching so, you know, his smile made me happy and I know that all of our viewers at home would love We'll love to see that that moment of him being interviewed today. <laughs> yeah, actually, listen to it. This is Chris Hamilton. Listen, if you can see the smile in his in his speech. I'm not gonna lie, I was packing it a bit because she's pretty slippery out there. I mean, yeah, for me, I just yeah, I could take it in a bit because I guess I wasn't going uh, full noise, just keep it going on the straights and easy through the corner. But man, I've had goosebumps all day. It's just so crazy the amount of people here, and yeah, it's so cool to be here. That's awesome. You said it was slippery out there. Was there any p- place in particular on the course that was particularly dangerous? Yeah, the I don't know. It's where like that really short bridges. It's like orange concrete or something like that. Yeah, there. I had the backslide out a little bit, coming out of one of the corners, and so yeah. And especially with that little bridge, it's pretty dicey. But yeah, I mean, I guess you can only hope it's the same conditions for everyone. But yeah, we'll just have to see what the afternoon brings. Good job today. Get it out of the way and good luck tomorrow. Cheers. Thank you. So that was uh, Chris uh, Hamilton, Caleb Uwan. We, we we have to talk about Caleb. Uh, he's, he's one of the main favorites for uh, tomorrow, and we'll talk about this in a, in a few minutes. But uh, Caleb Uwan, just happy to be safe today, I guess. For sure. He's mentioned before that he actually doesn't mind it. He actually prefers if there's a time trial or a prologue to open up a tour because it just flushes out those nerves, those cobwebs. Sometimes when it's a bunch uh, finish on stage one and that like, yellow jersey is up for grabs for the sprinters, it yeah. just is so dangerous. Uh, you know, that the whole nerves and pressure is just that next level. So I think, you know, he he rolled in pretty pretty relaxed. You know, he said he had to still try hard to make time cut. You know, if you're racing against the likes of Van Aert and Van Der Poel, yeah. you, you can't just cruise <laughs> around the course because you're going to get cut on day one. So it was a great way for him to open up the legs. It's, for me personally, I would have, you know, I always did efforts the day before a race. So uh-huh. it's just like the perfect way to ease yourself into a tour and uh, yeah I think he's looking quite good but I think you know he's, he's still got a lot of pressure on him and no one puts more pressure on Caleb than Caleb does. So. Yeah let's listen to him. <laughs> Caleb you won. Yeah I'm just happy I stayed upright to be honest because uh, you know for me to, to be within timely when I still have to go quite hard um, and it's always a fear so I couldn't take it too easy but uh, yeah happy I got through unscathed. Were you able to enjoy the crowds out there? Did they make up for the bad weather? Yeah, the crowds are amazing. The whole the whole way through the course, 
um, yeah, you know, I think it was like three or four people deep. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's so nice after a few COVID years to have, uh, have big crowds back. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. So that was uh, Caleb, uh, you won. Um, any other rider you want to mention that we, we have seen today that maybe caught your eye? Oh, look, Ben O'Connor also gave us a really great interview yeah. today. So he was surrounded by press, a lot of French press. He's, he's Actually, well Ben O'Connor speaks French. Yeah. Major, major revelation for me. Uh, and honestly, and on heart, I did not know this. Ben O'Connor speaks French, good French. I think he's, he's been a French speaker for quite some time. But yeah, he, he unfortunately gave the first interview in French. <laughs> I didn't get in there quick enough, so I'm learning those lessons. I did, I did <laughs> for the SBS French program. So they've got exclusivity on this one. Yeah, no, he looks, yeah, there's something about him. He's got a bit of star quality in a way that I can't articulate just yet. So yeah, I think he is the star of the future but yeah. he's, he's already a star at this tour there's so many journalists that want a piece of him and I think he's got big things coming this this year and yeah. I think that he he did quite a good time trial today similar to Jack Haig he just wanted to get through the course unscathed don't take any big risks because yeah. his biggest gains are going to be later in the tour yeah 100% let's season two Ben O'Connor I was super nervous I was pretty scared today but in the end, it was okay. The crowds were unreal, though. You definitely see them. It was a weird one today where you really just kind of sprint to the next corner, scare yourself, doing the corner, don't deck it, and then voila, you go to the next one afterwards. So that was more or less today. So that was Ben O'Connor. Uh, now, Gracie, let's look at, at stage two of the Tour de France 2022. Uh, we're going to Ros from Roskilde to Niborg. It's going to be a really interesting stage and one of the more anticipated stages, I think, of this year's Tour de France. Of course, it's in Denmark, the second stage in this beautiful country, but it includes a really difficult section right at the end that I think a lot of riders are a bit worried about. I think if you're a bridge watcher, you can watch this, uh, this stage as well because this bridge you're talking about is incredible. It's going to be super windy. I mean, how do you take on something like this, such monstrous? Because you know it's going to be windy. Yeah, we really don't know what direction the wind's going to be coming from. I think some riders thinking it might not be as windy as might be expected, but I think it crosses this great stretch of ocean, you know. What is it, about 18 kilometers yeah. or something? That's an amazing <laughs> bridge. It's an amazing engineering feat, really. But... You know, there's a lot of wind and there's a big chance that it's going to be a crosswind or a cross headwind. So it's at the end of the stage two, riders are tired. They're relatively fresh still. It's still the start of the tour. So it's going to be very nervous, very chaotic, very frantic, a lot of sprinting to get into good position. So I think that it's a sprinter's stage, but the sprinters are going to have to be on their best behavior and be well looked after by some of their teammates that are good in the wind. And how do you prepare actually for, for the placement on the bridge? Because uh, do, you, do, you, do you think the battle will happen way before the bridge, on the bridge, straight after the bridge? I mean, uh, how, how is that going to happen? I'm really looking forward to this. It's going to be a bit of a finish line before the real finish line. So I think that they're going to be going in full lead outs in that possibly 10k before the start of that bridge they want to be in great position it's going to be almost full tilt like a sprint lead out unless they get some knowledge I'm sure that the team cars are going to send swannies up the road to get an assessment of the weather in real time and if they get the the nod that it's actually not windy at all 
those lead outs won't happen as much. But I think, you know, as a rider, you don't want to leave it to chance. I think that they're still going to be a bit antsy going towards that bridge. And I think that, yeah, there's going to be a lot of echelons forming, regardless of whether it splits or not. I think we're going to yeah. see a bit of argy-bargy. And, and how does Caleb win this? He hasn't got the biggest train of the tour, but he can rely on other teams with bigger trains if it's windy. Uh, what, what are the key points for someone like Caleb Ewan? Yeah, he doesn't have a, the, the strongest lead out this year and, and he's said in some of his interviews he's actually not worked with some of these riders before in lead out situations. So I think that he's just putting a bit of blind faith into these riders. They are, they are exceptional riders. It's not like they're amateurs yeah. coming along. So there's some riders that are actually quite good in some of these conditions. So he's got a couple of classics guys that while he hasn't worked with them in sprints before, they're going to be very valuable to him in situations like this and also, you know, situations going forward like on the cobbles but we'll talk about yeah. that another day um, yeah I think that he is a super smart sprinter he is clever unfortunately you know we've seen him crash but that's because he is you know pushing those absolute limits of where he wants to be in the bunch and unfortunately sometimes you just push the limit a little bit too far but you know he hasn't done it that many times it's not a pattern and I think that he's coming into this tour in his best form and he's going to you know be as smart as he can use his guys up where he needs to and he'll have a few you know eyeballs on where else he'll be able to capitalize in those final kilometers what about Grunewagen or Jakobsen uh, th those are the two main contenders competing against Caleb uh, if we are very chauvinistic and, and very Aussie in our in our commentary same story for them is that how it's working as well for them yeah, well, Jakobsen is coming with the Wolf Pack. You know, they're, they're exceptional lead-outs at any race. Uh, Caleb and Jakobsen went head-to-head -head a few weeks ago and Jakobsen was the, the victor. So I think that was kind of interesting for them to have a little bit of a, a practice run. Mm -hmm. Not so good for the confidence for Caleb, but, you know, you're peaking for the tour, so you're not necessarily wanting to win those races early on, the few weeks before the tour, except for a confidence booster. Uh, in terms of Dylan, I think that the Green Edge team is built around him, uh, bar Yates and possibly Matthews. But I think Matthews is still going to be quite helpful. It's good for him to, you know, use some of these sprints to get his legs going as well because he's going to be looking towards some more difficult stages to win in a smaller group finish. So I think Dylan's probably a bit more, uh, Grunewagen's a bit more nervous about, you know, being judged for some yeah. of his past uh, behaviours maybe. Do you think he still is? Do you think he still is? Uh, maybe not. Yeah. I think that's a lot of time that's passed between, you know, some of those events and now. Yeah. So I think he's coming with, you know, a more mature attitude, new team. And I think that Green Edge are really excited. They've got some great chances for lots of different stages this tour. Yeah, absolutely. And then we spoke to, uh, uh, we'd like to call him the two Matthews, the, the Matthew Hemmen and Matthew, Matt White uh, a couple of days ago. And they pinpointed the, the, some of the stages as well that they are uh, definitely looking forward. You mentioned Michael Matthews. Uh, what can we expect from him on a stage like tomorrow? Uh, windy, it could be windy, it's sprint, it could be fast. Could it be an opportunity for someone like him? He's won the green jersey before, so he can go fast. Oh, for sure he's fast. I think that maybe he could be a bit timid in the bunch sometimes, and that's something that he's had to work on a lot over the years because it's, you know, it's scary. It's, it's pretty difficult to be in good position all the time when the bunch is just going full tilt and people are pushing in and everywhere. So I'm not quite sure where his skill set lies when it's windy. But I know that, you know, he's coming in with great shape. He's coming in with really good expectations. I had a little bit of a chat with him at the Team Prezzo. And he was quite happy, actually, to have that dual leadership with Grunewagen mm -hmm. because 
it just takes the pressure off him to always be the winner and he can really focus on some of those stages that really suit him rather than going for some of those sprint stages that don't suit him so much and wasting those you know watts and the the confidence so I think that he can really just focus in really properly now but he's still going to have to be quite careful on stages like this possibly a good opportunity for him but I think that they're going to be putting all the eggs in the basket of Grunewagen in the first week yeah absolutely what we know though is that the the spectacle will be brilliant because we've seen in Copenhagen today uh, at the end of the the time trial when we record this uh, this podcast that the the people were there the crowd was there it's it's a real enthusiasm all across the country uh, for cycling so we saw it in the capital Copenhagen it's going to be great to see it in the small smaller town, there's a smaller part of the country, how cycling mad, let's say it, how cycling mad the Danes are. Oh, it's been so wonderful spending time in this city with you, Christoph, and the rest of the SBS team. We've all been blown away just watching so many bike riders in the city. It's such a relaxed city. It's not aggressive. It's 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 beautiful, even though it's, you know, relatively touristic. But uh, yeah, we've really enjoyed our time here. Copenhagen is the perfect place for the tour at Grand Depart. But yeah, I'm also looking forward to seeing some of the, the other places that Denmark has yeah. to offer. I think it's a really interesting and beautiful country. Absolutely. There's a lot to watch for uh, on uh, the stage uh, tonight for you uh, in Australia. It's uh, definitely going to be one to watch. It's uh, on all your screens and uh, your tablets and uh, streaming everywhere somewhere near you. Thank you, Gracie, uh, for joining us. And uh, hopefully we'll have you in the podcast again sometime this week. Hopefully, tak. <laughs> tak, hope you've learned some languages. <laughs> Thank you, Gracie. This was the uh, Zwift SBS Cycling Podcast. Before we go, uh, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream or subscribe to this podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash sport or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Until next time, same place, same time tomorrow. It's bye for now. Now that we're done talking cycling, for today at least, let's do a little riding ourselves because the fun never stops on Zwift. Training solo at home, I admit, it gets old real quick. But with Zwift group rides, events and races, you'll have plenty of people to ride with and chat with to keep you motivated. Plus, it's got great built-in training programs tailored for every ability. There are even workouts that can be squeezed into 20 minutes if you're really stuck for time. On Zwift, traffic lights, stop signs, busy roads, bad weather, they all disappear. And each interval has the watts and rest periods dialed in for the perfect training conditions. To start riding and discovering how Zwift makes indoor training fun, head to Zwift.com for a free seven-day trial. Thanks for watching or listening whilst you're riding on Zwift.